praying about the direction the Lord would have for us tonight and appreciate your passion, his stand, and uh, the doctrine's straight here, and the standards are good here, and the music's good here. I appreciate that, and passion, glad you and your wife are here tonight. I know that's a little bit of a drive, and, and I appreciate the sacrifice for you to come to uh, so we can get a little bit better acquainted. And just talking to him on the phone, Pastor Weiler, I'm, I'm thinking you all get along real well. He He's a local church, well, Baptist, amen, so... <laughs> And, and the exciting part for me on the road is I've actually met several groups of people believe what we believe all over the place. But when I was passing for 15 years, I felt like I was the only one. <laughs> I don't know. I'm the only one. It feels like that sometimes. But anyway, there's others out there. So thank the Lord for that. So we're in Psalm 34 tonight. Psalm 34. Right after Psalm 33. When you found it, if you can and are able, please stand with me to honor God's absolutely perfect word. It's immutable, folks. It cannot change. It's infallible. It's inerrant, meaning that it's incapable to record error or to teach error. <laughs> it's inspired, literally, of God. It's preserved. Amen. God promised to do that. And we hold in our hands tonight the very word of God the old-fashioned King James Bible, amen? And we can trust it with our soul for eternity, and we can trust it with the problems of tonight. Okay, I feel better now. We can get started. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked into him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Let's pray. Father, we're before you tonight, and certainly if there's lost among us, we'd want them to get saved. And for the saints tonight, Lord, I pray you'd encourage them, give strength in their faith, Lord, rebuke our sin if need be, that there can be repentance, confession, a forsaking, a restoration. Lord, I'm praying for revival, even though it's just one night. <coughs> I pray that you meet with us, that your presence be known among us, that we might enjoy you this evening. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I'm shutting my phone off so I don't embarrass myself. So you get up and preach against that, and then your phone goes off in the pole, but that's really embarrassing. Well, amen. Did I bring my water in? Sweetie, you want to share yours? You're so, you're so sweet. We share germs like that. It's great. Thank you, Joshua. I'll set it down here. I don't mess up this fancy pulpit here. 
But I get thirsty when I'm working, no doubt about it. Well, we're going to take a look tonight at the goodness of the Lord and how that one can trust the Lord even in hard times. I wanted everyone to understand that there's certainly no way that I can exposit this entire psalm in the next two or three hours. <laughs> I'm teasing. It could easily be a next 13-week Sunday school series, no doubt about that. But my desire tonight is to give you a sample, a taste of it, in hopes that it will stir your hearts and that you go home and devour it for yourselves. Amen. I noticed an introduction here in, in my Bible. Right above verse 1, there's a couple of sentences. How many have that in your Bible? Some do, some don't, okay. That's there to kind of give you the background or the setting of this psalm. It says, a psalm of David. When he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. Now, Abimelech is Achish, king of Gath, the king there in, uh, of the Philistines. We find this account in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10. We're not going there. We're going to stay in Psalm 34. And either Achash had two names, Abimelech and Achash, and I don't think that's the case. Or the other option that I found is his title, uh, which was common title for the king of the Philistines, like Pharaoh is a common title for the king of the, uh, of the Egyptian kings, and like Caesar would be a common title for uh, the Roman emperors. Okay? So when I read these couple of sentences and I read this psalm, I'm thinking, what? I, I don't get it because the, the setting for this psalm, I don't read anything about that in this psalm. So I believe that this psalm even teaches some things that it doesn't say. It teaches us some things. Because what I do find in this psalm is the fact that David focuses on the goodness of the Lord and his deliverance. But yet the background of this psalm, David's going through some pretty serious troubles in his life. He's suffering from emotional hurt. Hey, by the way, that is real. And that he was rejected by the king when he himself hadn't done anything uh, to deserve it, but he'd done nothing but good to the king. See, it all started when Saul sinned and he lost the favor of God and God took his hand off from him. What escalated this was when Saul saw the hand of God on David and King Saul, if you remember right, uh, he pulled the old switcheroo on David rather than giving him the daughter that he said he would. He gave him Michael because he knew that she would be a snare to him. Got to love a loving father-in-law, amen. <laughs> well, he asked a dowry, hoping that David would get himself killed. and said, God bless, and he brought back double. And, and then uh, the king so enraged that he took his own spear and threw it at David, and he moved out of the way and stuck in a wall, and, and he fled for his life. And King Saul's son, Jonathan, Jonathan and David are like best friends. And, and I realize, you know, that's just kind of building the background of what these couple of sentences are talking about. And, and, and they, were, they were really tight, and, and they shared one another. He says, I'm but a step from death. So now he's running scared, he's emotionally hurt, he's feeling rejected. 
he runs to the temple and Ahimelech, not Abimelech, because that's the king of the Philistines, but Ahimelech was the priest there at the temple. And he asked him, said, hey, do you have any food? Do you have any weapons? And, and of course, we know about the showbread, and, and the, I love it. He went to the house of God looking for weapons. Amen. I don't know how y'all are up in Virginia, but I know around here a bunch of rednecks just like us. I want to ask for a show of hand who all is carrying, but I think everybody should be. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, uh, he, he looked around, you know, and said, oh, well, well, the only thing we have here is the sword you killed Goliath with. And they was like, oh, there's none like that one. You know, and so he straps it on. And he leaves, and the next thing you read about David, he's going to Achish, the king of Gath there, the Philistine area, and I don't know if he still had his sword on or not. That's probably not a good idea, you know. So he shows up to this king, and the king's been like, ah, hey, that's David, the king, do you know who this is? And that's the king of Israel. Now, they couldn't have known yet, chronologically, about Samuel anointing him. But what they had heard was some of the popular songs of the day. Maybe you heard it. They sing things like, Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his. Oh, you heard the song. Well, at that point, the Bible's very plain when it says in that passage that David was sore afraid. It emphasized that because that means he's past being scared. Sore afraid means he's pressed out of measure. He's got himself in a mess. He doesn't know how he's going to get out of it. So he begins to play the madman uh, to the point where he lets his spit come out of his mouth and down on his beard and, he, and he's scrabbling at the wall and the door and, and well, he's acting like he's crazy. He's, he's, it's pressing past where he's at. He's wondering how in the world am I going to get out of this one? So here's David. He's hurt. He's feeling rejected. He's running for his life, literally. And where he ran for refuge, ah, blew up in his face. Didn't work out like he thought it would have or should have. And found out that it was just more trouble. Folks, I realize that all of us in here, we go through trials. We go through storms in life. We've all had the midnight hours, and when it rains, it pours. So I have a question to ask before we get into this passage. Do you trust the Lord? No, wait, wait, don't answer it. Do you trust the Lord with everything? Wait, 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 don't answer it. Do you trust the Lord with everything, even in the hard times. This psalm is actually divided into two sections. The first ten verses are actually a hymn. Sometimes the Lord will give you a song in the night when you're going through a hard time. Folks, that's why it's so important to have godly music in your life. You know, the world's music doesn't give you the same kind of comfort, that's for sure. The world's music talked about your hound dog fell off the porch and your lover left you. I mean, where's the comfort for that? 
So when we have godly music like that, the Spirit of God oftentimes put a song on our heart when we're going through something that really encourages us. Amen? Amen. And the last 12 verses of this psalm was actually a message. But tonight, with God helping us, we're going to look at the first half, the hymn, divided into three parts. So we're going to start with part number uno. That's one for English-speaking people. Here it is. David vows to bless the Lord at all times. That's for those taking notes. If you're not taking notes, number one is, David vows to bless the Lord at all times. Get the same message either way, okay? So you're taking notes and just enjoy it. So here we are, verse 1, right in our text. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. See, told you right there. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. At all times, praise continually, even in the hard times. And folks, God is good. We can always praise him for his goodness. We can always praise him for his mercy. And I'll just go ahead and be transparent here. (laughs) That's not always easy when you're in a storm. And sometimes when you're in the storm, the wind's howling, your boat's rocking on the sea there, and, and you're scared. And it may seem like God's a long way off. Folks, He's with us. He's an ever-present help in time of need. And when we're going through that, David said, I will praise the Lord continually. At all times, his praise is going to be in my mouth. Okay, first off, that's not natural. We would consider it's not even normal. It's normal for a Christian because normality is Jesus Christ. He's the standard. But in our life, we're thinking, (laughs) that's not what my old man wants to do. Okay? So how then did David, you've got to remember the setting. He's over here with spit on his face, scrabbling at the walls, sore afraid, thinking, I'm going to die right here. So how can he praise in times like that? I believe he gives us the answer in verse number two. He said, my soul maketh her boast in the Lord. Folks, what's he talking about? My soul. Folks, I believe he's dealing with his worship time. Yeah, amen. In his private time, uh, we might call it devotions. We might call it the secret place. We might call it our quiet time. And I'm confident with this crowd, I don't have to explain what that is. But with this crowd, I want to encourage you, if they've kind of fallen off a little bit, get back on them. Because everybody needs to be having some quiet time with the Lord. Everybody needs to have your devotions. Does it mean you drive all the way over here and tell us how our devotions? Yes. Why? Because we all get busy and storms happen and sometimes they kind of slide don't they? And he says, I'll bless the Lord. And folks, that's worship. And the actual definition of worship is to uh, one to humble themselves by kneeling, bowing, or prostrating themselves on the ground in adoration of another. 
So in his soul, he's bowed before his God and he's blessing him. We've even read other psalms where he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And folks, if you're like me, I'm always in a hurry, it seems like. And that's bled over in about a ocean time. And I come in, I read my chapter, so I can check it off. And it's like, okay, God, I need this, this, and this. And I got to go. So if you don't mind, would you hurry? And God says, whoa, son. You need to back up two or three minutes, four or five minutes maybe, and spend some time just worshiping me first. See, when you worship, you're not asking. You're adoring. You're enjoying him for who he is. Amen? Yeah, yeah, amen. And <laughs> David was bragging on him. <laughs> My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. <laughs> When one's worship time is sweet like that, then what's in the heart comes out. And therefore, he can say in verse 1, with my mouth, I'll continually praise him because of what was happening in his soul from his worship time. Amen? Amen. Folks, that's where we get our strength from. As in youth work 12 years, pastor 21, been on the road four years now, so I'm saying it's not my first day. So let me give an observation, maybe to help, and I know you know this, but it's a good reminder, and I want to hear it again, so here it is. A church service. I believe there's at least three parts to it. I imagine there's probably more, but at least three main parts. The first one is when we're singing our congregational song. We're singing unto the Lord. The scripture says we sing unto the Lord. In fact, the special music isn't singing to the congregation. They're singing unto the Lord. That's the idea. This emergent church crowd out here has this thing so backwards, they don't even know what truth looks like anymore. So they've hired themselves a a band and named some dude a worship leader, and they're just a bunch of participants like an audience, and they have it all wrong, folks. God is the audience. We all are the participants. And when we meet in his house, we're here to worship him. It's not about us. Amen. And I know when I was passing, Pastor Byler, that I, I usually stood on this side. Song leader's doing his thing. I have my hymn book open, my eyes reading the words, my mouth saying them. But boy, I struggled to pay attention. Because I'm thinking, okay, what's next? Where so-and-so did this happen? And I had to force myself to pay attention. Because this is God's time. And then when I became an evangelist, <laughs> he's not any easier. I still have to sit there or stand there and on purpose think, you know, whatever else has happened or whatever else is about to happen, these two or three minutes belong to God. Now the rest of my family, they make a melodious sound to the Lord. But that one verse about the joyful noise, that one's me. Okay? The Lord knows what he's given me. That's between him. But I, I want to focus because I'm singing to the Lord. Folks, when we catch a hold of that, the song service is a vibrant time of the church service. The second part's from. We hear from God's word. We hear from God's man. We hear from God's spirit because he takes God's word and he does God's work in our hearts for his own glory. And then we get to the third part. Man, come on. This is the part where I get frustrated. 
Because I see so many of God's children, so many of God's people cut themselves off at the ankles and miss the blessing that God intended for them to have. See, what are you talking about? It's the altar. It's the invitation time. And during the years of passion, I've seen it. There's some people three, four, five years for they haven't been to the altar. Honestly, folks, there's a problem there. You do a study yourself. The altar is for God's children. Now, if you're lost, you come to the altar and get saved. Hallelujah, I'll shout with you. But predominantly in the scripture, the altar was for God's children. Check it out. So we sing unto the Lord. We hear from God with his word and his spirit ministering to our hearts. And then it comes time for the invitation. And I'm not trying to say something to drum up some kind of big crowd that flock to the altar because I'm not for an emotional response. But I'm just trying to say, why you want to rob yourself of the blessing God has for you? Folks, this is where we worship the Lord. We're bowed before Him. We adore Him. This is where we confess. This is where we have intercessory prayer. It's where we have supplicatory prayer. It's where we're bringing our petitions for the Lord. It's where we're casting our cares on Him. Why wouldn't you want to spend that time at an altar? Amen? Well, amen. Just trying to help us a little bit here. I see that pattern here, and I know this is the Old Testament. You can't put the church in the Old Testament. I realize that. But notice what it says. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Folks, who's the humble today? It's the saved. Because to get saved, you have to humble yourself. Say, God, I can't save myself. Recognizing you're standing before a thrice holy God undone as a sinner spawns a repentance. Without the repentance, you're not getting saved. And by faith, we call on and appropriate the salvation that God so freely gives through his son, Jesus Christ. So we had to admit, I can't do it. That's the humility. So here we are in a church service, and somebody over here stands up and testifies, brags on Jesus, he's boasting about Christ. Then somebody over here hears it, that ought to stir something up in their heart, and they go, amen, that's him. And again, I'm not after, if it's emotional, just preach the truth. That'll keep the wildfire out of here. But I'm telling you, when, when the Spirit of God's working in hearts, it doesn't hurt if you say amen. Right. amen. And I'm telling you, this, you've probably seen this, and I don't know how long you pastored before the five years, and if you haven't, you will see this kind of thing. And we don't know when a visitor walks in. We don't know what they're dealing with. They may have tried everything in their thinking. And they just may be thinking off a little bit here, thinking, you know, I'm going to go to church tonight. And look, look, try church. And if I can't find anything there, I'm going to go home and I'm going to end it all. See, because we don't know. So they come into a service where people are singing unto the Lord. They hear testifying and bragging on Jesus. And the humble hearing about it and they're glad. They're going to go, these people are either crazy or they actually believe this stuff. 
And by the end of the service, and they see the evidence of the Spirit of God at work in people's hearts, instead of going home and ending it all, they just may go home thinking, you know, I found some hope tonight. Amen. Why? Because it's all about Him. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And in fact, it just leads right into the next verse. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Now, here's a quote. I don't know who, who said it first. I, I stole it, and I'm going to use it right here. It says, who can make God great but those who see themselves little? I thought that was a pretty good one. Then I got thinking about magnifying. Magnifying means bigger. How do you make God bigger? He's already big. Folks, you can't squish God into 24 hours. You realize that? The Bible's very plain, and it says that he inhabiteth eternity. Amen, that's present tense. That means he's clear back in the beginning when he said, let there be light, he's still there. And on the other end of the time spectrum, you're ready to step into the eternal future, he's already there waiting on you and I. And right now, tonight, the Bible's very plain in saying that he's very present. Help in time of need. Our God is big. You can't squish him into 24 hours. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I can say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So David, he vows to bless the Lord at all times, and then he encourages others to join him, and now he lists some reasons to do so, and this is number two. David relates his experience. David relates his experience in verse four. In verse number four, David relates his experience. <clears throat> Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from half my fears. <laughs> if your Bible says that, throw it away. It says, all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Hallelujah, folks. He noticed in verse 4, he said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Well, amen. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's David doing right there? He sought the Lord and the Lord heard him. What's he doing? He's praying, right. Where's the prayer? Here's something else this psalm left out that teaches us something. I read through here, and I can't find his prayer, one word of it written down. I went back over to Samuel 21. I went through it again, looking for his prayer. It's not there. I believe that was done on purpose. Because see, the Holy Ghost, when he wrote the Word of God, he didn't just forget stuff. And he didn't stutter when he wrote it. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. So when he said, he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord heard him, then the words of the prayer wasn't so important as what was going on in David's heart. Amen? Otherwise, we'd be tempted to think, well, when I'm in trouble, i got to pray David's prayer, and this is what he said, and i got to say it this way. <laughs> it's not the prayer. Kind of like with salvation, folks. It's not the prayer. If you think you're going to heaven on the prayer, you better look at that again, because the prayer don't save you. It's faith that saves you. 
Amen. And then here it is. And, and but I'm thinking, you know, we have a promise about this thing on praying. Yeah. Amen. It's over in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Time out. Have you ever known, not known what to pray? I have. My back's been against the wall before. It's like, Lord, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. David didn't either. You know, David, I hope this doesn't offend anybody. He wasn't Catholic. He, he wasn't praying and going, Oh, most heavenly gracious Father, I'm in trouble here. I'm sore afraid. Help. You know, he didn't say that. See, how do you know it's not regard? I know, but he didn't pray like that. You know, here's what he might have done. Lord, help! You know, that works. Because the rest of this verse in Romans 8, 26 says, For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Folks, all we got to do is pray. And the Holy Ghost of God has promised us that he can fix all the grammar and say it just right to the Father, even though we don't know what to say. He does! And he can help us. And he might have only squeaked out, Lord, that works too. He might have only got out, help, that works too. I don't know what you're facing tonight. You might not even know what to do about it, including how to pray about it. But I would encourage you tonight, just start praying and trust the Holy Ghost. He'll make up the difference. Amen. We're just basing it on the Bible. You do believe that here still, don't you? Amen. I know you all do. Hey, look, when some, you're never going to be ashamed when you look to the Lord. You're never going to come up empty-handed. And I love this part right here in verse 6. Look at it again. It said, this poor man cried. Who's the poor man? It's David, absolutely. You know what that means? David says, I don't have any merit of my own to approach you. I, don't, I haven't accomplished some great feat that I can strong-arm in you. And make you answer my prayer. He said, no, I'm just a poor man. That's his humility. (laughs) I have nothing to offer. I'm just asking for your mercy. Folks, that's how we approach God. Do you realize that we can approach his throne boldly because of his invitation? Boldly doesn't mean we walk in and kick the door in and say, okay, God, I need this. Who do you think you are? The fact that we can approach God's throne is boldness. And we are there on the merit and righteousness of Jesus Christ. I know you all know this doctrine. It's a big old word, like 35 cent worth, imputation. His righteousness has been imputed into us so we can approach his throne. David had it right. He said, oh, this poor man cried. Look look what the verse says right there next. This poor man cried. Notice what it says. And the Lord heard him. When we come before God humbled like that, he's listening. He's faithful. He's listening. I don't know about you, but that helps me. And he saved him out of all his... You ever been troubled? You ever been gripped with fear? Did you realize that unbelief is offensive to God? He's offended with worry and fretting. (laughs) He is. He's never done anything to cause us to doubt him. When we approach him as the poor man, the humble man, 
Lord, I need you. I don't even know what to say other than maybe help. Well, that's good enough. He's got it from there. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's my Savior we're talking about. <laughs> well, glory. <laughs> uh, sorry, I still get excited about this. <clears throat> so, what a promise we have in verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. <laughs> Amen. What a promise for protection. Do you know, I'm perfectly content to never see an angel. I don't have to see an angel. I'm not one of these angel chasers, like behind every bush kind of thing, looking for an angel. I'm perfectly content, sister, to never see an angel till I get to heaven. <laughs> In fact, Nathaniel, if I see him, I'll probably have a heart attack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if God so chooses to send an angel to help me, he can do that. You know why? He's God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And in fact, he don't even have to send an angel. He can just speak a word and he can help me. You know why? <laughs> He's God. In fact, he don't even have to say a word. He can just will it to be done and he can help me. You know why? Oh, you know, he's God. Oh, amen. I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know what kind of storm at midnight hour. I don't know if you're hurt or running scared and what you've tried blown up in your face. David's been there. Have you been there? He cried unto the Lord and the Lord helped him and the Lord delivered him. Amen. David, he vows he's going to bless the Lord at all times. And then he gave a testimony of how it worked out for him. And no wonder he gets to number three when he said, David exhorts others to remain solid in their faith. Number three is David exhorts others to remain solid in their faith. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear ye, or excuse me, oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there's no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but... They that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Folks, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What is a taste? It's a sample. <laughs> it's a personal experience. Amen? <laughs> Y'all have Walmart around here. I think you do, don't you? If I've been, yeah, I've been to Walmart. been here before. Okay. I wonder if you heard about it. <laughs> If you go about lunchtime, you go down the aisle and there'll be somebody standing there and they got these cups of stuff. They go, hey, you want one? I say, sure. Mmm, that's pretty good. What is that? That's a sample. Now, why'd they do that? They want me to buy the whole box. Amen. I know their game here. So I say, can I have another one? They say, sure. And I have another one. You go around the next aisle. Ah, somebody's over here. Want to try one of these? Sure. You can spend your lunch hour. Not that I have. You could. Okay. You could go back to this guy and say, hey, could I have one of those for my wife? Not that she's going to get it, but you can say it. You know. Anyway, they want you to buy the whole box because it's just a sample. Did you? That's just a taste. Did you realize that our soul 
taste by faith. Faith is how our soul tastes. Oh, taste and see how good the Lord is. That's what he's saying. (laughs) Folks, it's just like a, a personal experience. My wife, she makes some killer chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, amen. <laughs> when they come out of the oven, you put this little spatula thing on it, you know, pick it up and kind of like, mm, you know, has a chocolate dripping. Tall glass of milk, about 12 of those. You're in some tall cotton, friend. <laughs> amen. And they are good. I'm not joking. They really are, okay? But see, you may believe me, but you don't know because you never have one of her cookies. Now, if I got one of those little fancy Tupperware deals, you know, I can say, hey, you want one? Uh, hey, hey, do you want one, brother? And I'd say, yes. Okay. But you don't know because you never had it. You might believe my testimony, but you don't know personally because you've never tasted. So I see King David here. Oh, well, almost King David. He's not there yet. Brother David, there we go. I see Brother David here. He basically has a twofold invitation with this. He's saying, hey, when, when, when the storm of the lights are hitting and you're sore afraid and you're hurt and you're running scared and where you go kind of blew up in your face and, and you don't know what to do and you don't even know how to even to pray, taste and see how good the Lord is. Because see, the world has a bazillion attractions out here calling us constantly. Come over here, try this, try this. You'll be, there's no peace out there. There's no satisfaction out there. You can't even buy that on Amazon. (laughs) Amen? Or eBay. You just can't do it. It's a gift from God only to his children. Amen? But if you're used to running to other things, then you don't know what we're talking about because you haven't experienced it personally. So tonight, I don't know what you're dealing with, but I'm going to encourage you here in a little while to lay it at his feet. To come worship the Lord. Let your soul boast in Him so you can get up with your mouth and praise Him and say, Oh, the Lord is good. And perhaps I, I know, I think I know just about everyone here. And I believe your testimony is well, the little girly back there at the cute little pink tops, she's not saved yet, obviously. Okay. And she's got a couple of years before she probably understands it all yet. But, uh, but for the most part, everybody in here probably can say, oh, yeah, I've, I've been saved. But if you're in the middle of a church, especially like this one, that preaches the gospel, like from the Bible, you know, the real one, the real gospel, and, and you hear about it, and you know Jesus is God, and he died on the cross and rose again the third day, you could still die and go to hell because you never tasted for yourself. So if you're here tonight and you're lost, I want to encourage you tonight to taste of the Lord and see how wonderful his salvation really is. Amen. And if you're here tonight and I don't know what you're going through and I could have went a bunch of different ways and was even actually praying about another direction, but this is the one the Lord really put on my heart for tonight. There might be something going on here that I don't know about. The Spirit of God does. He's saying, son, I love you. Daughter, I know about this. Sister, I'm just trying to help. Get the idea? I don't know what it might be. But God does. And rather than running to this, this, or this, I'm saying like Brother David, come taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. <laughs> Amen. But until it's personal, oh, you're going on somebody else's testimony. Now, knowing this crowd, I dare say that you've all tasted before, and you can each stand and testify the Lord's good. But you might be caught in a storm, and sometimes storms confuse us. We kind of lose our direction a little bit. Oh, I'm not saying we're backslidden, outrunning with the devil. Let me ask. How many has been saved at least 10 years? <clears throat> Just about the whole place, brother. Okay. I've been saved be 40 years next month. It's been a minute. And in that time, I'll be transparent. Preacher might not ever have me come back when I find all this. <laughs> I'm too, okay. I'm just going to doubt right here, okay. I've before got caught up in the machinery of ministry, having my devotions, but I haven't met with the Lord. I'm not proud of that, Brother Hoyle. I'm just being honest. And folks, when that happens... We have the right doctrine. We have the right Bible. We have the right standards. Okay? But if we're resting on that, we're missing how wonderful he is. And I don't know if there's proper grammar. Somebody mentioned about grammar. Oh, that was Brother Nate fixing the grammar. Or no, that was Pastor about the testimonies. They'd have to do a lot of work on mine, brother. It won't even look like I wrote it. <laughs> But in that process, folks, we might just need to fall in love, if that's the right way to say that, with our Savior all over again. Now, I haven't traveled the whole country yet, just 27 states, but what I'm seeing is God's people have become methodical and robotical. Is that a term? That's a cool term. But they've missing tasting how good he is. So tonight I'm inviting you. Let's come back to him. Let's kneel before him. Let's adore him. Let's worship him. Let's ask him to reignite or, or perhaps kindle or fan the flame that's there already. that sweet personal relationship with him. The reason I mentioned that <laughs> coming up on 40 years too many times I've just gone through the motions. I've had to ask the Lord more than once to forgive that. Because the bottom line of this is, I do what I do because I love him. Sometimes I get caught in the fact I do what I do because that's what I do. But boy, you miss that sweetness. Is that making sense? Can I invite you tonight, come taste of the Lord. He is good. Let's all stay in peace with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, 
I'm sorry for the busyness and unhurry attitude all the time. Where you kind of get left out when it's really all about you. As we come to this invitation, Lord, I pray nobody robs himself of a blessing, but that we might come before you tonight and humble ourselves, worship you, adore you, just love on you. Thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. Would you move among us tonight? Surely, Lord, if there's someone here who's never tasted of your salvation, I'd pray they'd get saved tonight. But for the saints tonight, Lord, I pray it'd be a time of drawing us back close to you that we might enjoy you. Heads about, eyes are closed. Invitation time is open.